Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. My name is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am joined by my wonderful friends who will now introduce themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Seth, I'm Seth Rodney. Uh, I am an editor at Hyperallergic, the online arts magazine, and a member of the part-time faculty at Parsons School of Design. I have a book coming out in June, and I'm actually in the middle of doing copy edits on it. So, um, did you finish really yesterday? In my head, what? Did you finish yesterday? You were saying no. Uh, I, was, I kind of finished it like four in the morning, um, but okay. I, I right. kind of say because there's like one small chapter I have to look mm -hmm. over, okay. and then the references, okay. and then I can send that off in like I don't know, a couple All of right. hours. All right. Yeah. All right. Knock, knock. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. That's Thank dope. You, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood, and I am one of the co-founders of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and it is a archival consulting um, company, and we look at individuals and organizations who want to do something with their archives specifically, and next week I will be in Philadelphia at the William Way Center talking about uh, community archives with some amazing people, and so if you can, it's a public event. Again, it's March 13th. Well, actually not again. This is the first time I mentioned it. March 13th. And it begins, I believe, at 11 o'clock. Nice, nice, nice. And Seth, you're going to be in the Netherlands next week? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to cover the TFAF Maastricht Fair. So I will be mm -hmm. flying out on Tuesday night and I'll be there from Wednesday through Sunday. Awesome. All right. All right. Awesome. Have a great trip. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. So this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud with one another and sometimes get into it a little bit, So, which is productive for me, I know. So we're going to continue our conversation from last week. There'll be less talking between Stephen and I, and, and we'll, let, we'll let Seth... Maybe, we'll, let Seth, we'll see. We'll, yeah, yeah. we'll let Seth take, uh, take the lead on this one, so... Uh, Seth, you want to lead us into it? Well, I think that last uh, episode, we didn't get as much of a chance to answer Stephen's initial question as I wanted to. Okay. Stephen's question was, essentially, instead of talking about how white misanthropy uh, ends up victimizing, hurting people of color, that we should take a, a really close look at how it ends up hurting themselves, how it ends up hurting whites. Right. And he gave us um, he gave us several things to look at. One of the things that, uh, and I'm looking it up right now, actually, uh, was, mm -hmm. a, was a piece of uh, an interview of Toni Morrison on Charlie Rose and an mm -hmm. article called 10 Ways White Supremacy Wounds White People. And another article, uh, I think this one in the New York Times, How Can I Cure My White Guilt? And the last was the essay by James Baldwin titled Here Be Dragons. So I looked through all of these, and there were essentially three things I came up with to answer that question. One was, and I think this is from the 10 Ways White Supremacy Wounds White People piece, mm -hmm. was that whites end up revering thinking over feeling which puts them at a disadvantage because then they don't know what their feelings are in particular instances when knowing what your feelings are is really important. Like mm. when you go to, a, I'm actually, wow, I just thought of this moment in uh, David Foster Wallace's essay, and I don't remember the name of the essay, but he talks about being at the fair, and he talks mm -hmm. about how 
Oh, wow. You know what? No, I'm conflating it with something else. I'm sorry. No, it wasn't David Foster Wallace. It's someone else. But she talks about being at a fair and painting children's faces and a couple coming through with a young boy and the boy wanting some other, some like girly, quote unquote girly color, like yellow or pink. Um, and mm. he just, he just, he just gravitated toward that, those colors. And she started to paint his face and the wife, looks down at him and her at the woman painting the boy's face and angrily screams at her, don't do that. He wants boy colors. He wants blue. He wants <laughs> purple. Arr. And she said that the woman, the mother was... Purple's not a boy color. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> that was a jo- I was joking. No, I know that. I know that. I know that. It's a joke. I know, I know. But, but the, woman, the mother was so incensed that the boy, her her son, more to the point, right, would choose a color that wasn't in line with their <laughs> idea of masculinity. That Otherwise. she, mm-hmm. it, her anger boiled up and over, right? In, mm-hmm. in, a, in a situation where that just was not called for. So there's that. Yeah. So the revering of thinking over feeling in such a way that one doesn't necessarily even have access to one's feelings in mm-hmm. moments when it's important to. In that mm-hmm. moment, the mother really needed to know what she was feeling was fear, right? Mm-hmm. Fear that mm-hmm. her son might be queer, that her son mm-hmm. might not be heteronormative in a way that she needed him to feel, um, mm-hmm. in a way that would affirm her own life, right? Mm-hmm. The second one is there's, it, white misanthropy ends up dividing this world into a kind of mannequin scheme of winners and losers. Mm-hmm. And we we all know we at least everyone in the sound within the sounds of our voices should know that that kind of arbitrary divvying up of the world makes no sense. Mm-hmm. If you divvy up the world into winners and losers, you 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 negate I don't know how much what percentage of human experience there is by not allowing yourself to be open to it. A sunset is not a win or a loss, right? Being curious and looking up a word in an, encyclo- in, in an online encyclopedia is not a winning situation or a losing situation. Mm-hmm. Um, being in love is both and neither winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Um, being humiliated and learning a lesson that one then, de- then takes to uh, find success in another area of one's life. It's not as both winning and... I mean, it's just... It's a kind of silly-ass thinking that impoverishes us intellectually, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. this, and this kind of thinking is absolutely encouraged by white misanthropy. And then there's the last one, which I got from reading uh, Baldwin's Hair Be Dragons. Mm-hmm. And this one, this is, this is powerful for me. At the b- b- bottom of the first page of the essay, he says... All countries or groups, and I'm quoting here, all countries or groups make of their trials a legend, or, as in the case of Europe, a dubious romance called, quote-unquote, history. But no country has ever made so successful and glamorous a romance out of genocide and slavery. And this is the thing about white misanthropy that is truly dangerous, is that if you make that romance, right, and we can think of films that 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 represent that kind of romance, Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. Birth of a Nation. 
that make a romance out of genocide, out of, out of the conscientious killing, elimination of a group of people who are different from you, essentially mm -hmm. because they are different and you're competing for resources. And slavery, the rendering of human beings into property mm -hmm. and the resulting systems of violence and exile, of political mm -hmm. and social exile that are meant to keep them in that position. All those mm -hmm. things, it seems to me, work against people who wield white misanthropy because that lie permits you to lie about everything else. Mm -hmm. I think that if you can lie to yourself enough to say, you know, the U.S. is built on the, the, the backs of these really honorable, independent thinkers who penned the Declaration of Independence. It has nothing to do with genocide and slavery. Mm -hmm. If you can tell yourself that lie, mm. what other lies are you telling yourself? Right? Like, is it, is it even possible to live your life with any sort of integrity if you can't recognize the basic lie of your own? nation's history those are the three mm. those are the three ways i think that white misanthropy really hurt and hinder whites who wield that uh ideology but but i have a question i have a question mm -hmm. okay. because ultimately at the, at the end of this there's this kind of at the bottom of all this there's this kind of vague i think notion of what uh our humanity is supposed to be, right? Because mm -hmm. all of these things essentially, as someone said in one of those articles, I think it's 10 ways white, su white supremacy, um, uh, well, I don't remember the name of the article, but I've, mm -hmm. I've mentioned it before. The writer ends up saying, we end up trading in humanity for the illusion of comfort. Yeah. My, yeah, right. But my question is, what is humanity? Because at the bottom of all these things, right, I'm mm -hmm. trying. I'm, I'm essentially saying there is a kind of notion of what a human being should be, that revering thinking over feeling, devolving, a, 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 imagining a world that is Manichaean, that's only winners and losers, and that's built upon the lie of the nation state consisting of a romance instead of actual, you know, the horrors of genocide and slavery. All these things are premised upon this idea, I think, that I'm holding of what humanity should be. Right. What is that humanity? What what am I what am I what am I what am I aiming what am I trying to evoke here? Because I'm not sure. So I I don't know that I can directly answer your your last question. I think I probably can I probably can give you what I would like it to be. Okay. I, I would I would like to qualify Baldwin, uh, okay. who I love. Okay. And it's just not true that we are the only example of um, a large community of strangers that has tried to put shine on uh, or shine on shit. 
Um, no, 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 know, no, no. I want to, I want to, I want to be clear. I want to be clear here, though. He said that, or even the best. Right. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, okay. So that's your argument. Then, ever fine. so successfully. Right. right. Ever yeah. so, that's well, his point. Successfully. That's, that's just a narrow. That's a narrow arc of time. Where okay. the future's trash. Where the future's trash. Where some future okay. archaeologists remainder okay. and. Um, and certainly during its time, mm. Mesopotamia was just as successful, uh, and the early Chinese dynasties were just as successful. Mm. There, there, there's been a lot, I mean, mm. lot, there's plenty of murder mm. and deprivation mm. and slavery Fair to enough. go around. I don't say that as a defense of the United no, States. No, 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 I know, I get it. I, I, no, I, yeah. I, I, and in fact, and in fact, I think where I probably the only small thing I would like to tweak with Bolton is I don't know that it, and maybe this is actually what he was thinking because he is such a nuanced uh, uh, writer and thinker the level the intensity of the hypocrisy of the United States and the contrast of its soaring rhetoric versus its actual historical practices that may be unequaled i mean right. the, mm. the the idea that all men you know this this idea all men are created equal oh, yeah. yada 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 right. absolutely at, at yeah. the same time that we were doing the things that we were doing right. mm-hmm. that i might go in that that has not ever been equaled okay uh, i would say for me the humanity mm. thing mm. is to me the defining characteristic of of being human mm is the ability to, not language, not art, none of this stuff, but is the ability to cooperate with strangers. Hmm. The, the, the ability to, to and not and the capacity to do that. I think that is what, that is when we are at our best. Hmm. That, that we can see people that we do not know that are not a part of our tribe, that do not contribute in any utilitarian way to our everyday existence or survival, and we can still try and lend a hand. Wow. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the best version of ourselves that we regularly fall short of. Um, regularly. Absolutely. Uh, but, but that would be, for me, that would be an answer to your question. That, that would be what the better version of the world that I would want to work towards mm-hmm. is a world that regularly cooperates to help mm-hmm. those who are, who, who are strange to them. And, and I want to ask Stephen to jump in, um, but I want to, uh, uh, and to answer the question, but I want to just follow, quickly follow up, Travis. Are you saying basically you're looking at this sort of faculty of being unselfish, ability, an ability to be unselfish? So I would, I would say not unselfish, but a more capacious selfishness. Mm. So that the, the self is encompassed to be far larger than mm. whatever your sort of narrow circle of concerns are that right. that you know uh ask not for whom the bell tolls right right, it, it right. Tolls the john, john donne poem um that that would be that would be the the better version for me okay that's that's lovely that's really beautiful okay okay so i'm following up with what travis said being able to cooperate with strangers. So on my door, every day before I leave, mm. there on my door on an index card, it says, everyone's needs matter. Mm. And I was thinking about why I wrote that. And I wrote it because I was thinking, I think I was going through something last year where 
you know how you ha- you'll have a bad day and then you get more bad news from other people and then you're trying to figure mm. out how much to commiserate, mm. <laughs> how much to let your own, mm. you know, sure. self go mm. or how can you just, you know, be there selflessly or self less selfishly and mm. listen to mm. someone else and say, okay, you know, why don't you come over for dinner or why don't we talk it out? And right. you don't really put your own thing in there to make it more palatable for you or more, um, more worth your time. Right. And mm. so... I wrote that down because I always want to remember that no matter if if I'm aware of the reason for the need <laughs> or the rationale for the need, that they matter, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. I love the idea of living one's full humanity. And I think that what Travis is, this idea of cooperating with strangers, it just feels right. It feels like one of the things that doesn't, that connects me to everybody as a one and we're one thing trying to be with each other and mm. learning how to be with each other and that we're we do fall short of it and i think we're afraid of it because it makes us vulnerable it makes us open if that could happen to that person that means it could happen to me mm-hmm. but as long as i keep a wall up or you know mm-hmm. i can, or i keep some sort of barrier up then i can say the reason why I, Travis or Seth is in this position is because they did A, B, and C. I'll never right. do A, B, and C, and therefore right. mm-hmm. I can't connect with that experience. You can mm-hmm. connect with the most funny thing that recently, not funny, but the my, my, uh, leaving Netherland, Neverland, mm-hmm. how people have been asking people about how they feel about it. And one of the common things I've been getting is I can't watch that right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. And my theory is based mm-hmm. on the person, is then you have to think about. What does it mean in your life? Will you cancel Michael Jackson? Will you do you believe the p- kids or not? Will you blame them? It'll require you to be a human in a very uncomfortable way. Mm-hmm. And I think that uncomfortableness really feeds into cooperating with strangers. It's not convenient. Mm-hmm. It's not convenient, but I think it makes you a more thoughtful person, maybe a more introspective person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it takes a tremendous amount of resources, emotional resources, yes, to extend yes. your your circle of sympathies that large. Absolutely, um, and and maybe m- many of us don't have the bandwidth to do that for a variety of reasons. Uh, that again, I would not be judgmental about working two jobs or just mm-hmm. aren't really built that way. Have a hard time handling their own shit. Um, yeah, you know the the other the, for me the whiteness thing. You know, and you you gave a, some of those things to me are not unique to whiteness mm. to and we don't have to talk about that I don't know that's a, if that's a productive conversation but what I do think for mm. me at least mm. to add to that mm. is that is that where whiteness slots into to what we're talking about now is that whiteness is that differentiating element that leads people to believe that they are different from uniquely essentially different from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one another and that anytime anytime you introduce that kind of overarching element of being the chosen ones mm. um, then then you you are impeding mm. the ability to sympathize and extend natural mm. human sympathies to others, mm-hmm. or what I would consider natural human sympathies. And now there are better versions of that being special, right? Like you can, you could, like for a long time, like in in Judaism, the idea of the tzaddik, right? So like the righteous ones. Right. So the the Jews are the chosen people, but the best of them hold up the world with righteousness, and that's not a bad story, mm. you know. I mean, that's like that's that's a pretty decent one, mm. right? Not that it can't be misused. But mm, absolutely. but but that but but that that story is pretty. If that 
that you feel that your biology sets you apart mm. to be some sort of better inheritor of civilization and civilization's story. That's not going to make you ever a better person. No. <laughs> that's just not ever – that's never going to result in a better human being at the end of that story. Right, at the end of the story. But we, we presume that people want to be better. Yeah, fair enough. That's true. <laughs> over and yeah. over again. That's one of my um, things. I always catch myself going – to do that work, the emotional resources, the bandwidth, all of that, it's building the capacity to do that, right? You're not born yeah. with it. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not. But just caring about other people selflessly requires me to be less um, Stephen-focused, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. so sorry to interrupt, Stephen. I just want to give an anecdote. Um, you know, I love mm-hmm. to putting like actual real life lived um, circumstances uh, to the kind of abstract things we, we get onto. And I remember there was a moment when I was doing my graduate degree, my MFA at UC Irvine. Um, mm-hmm. That's when Travis and I got to know each other. Um, I think right after I graduated. Um, yeah, that sounds right. I remember there was a, let me actually preface this by saying, up until the point where I was working on the PhD, the MFA was the hardest thing that I'd ever done in my life. I didn't know that the work would be that hard. Okay. It was it was classes all day, it was TAing, and then it was trying to find time in my studio to make work myself, make make work for me, make work for the for the um, program. And there was a moment when I was exhausted. I'd been running around all day and I was. It was a class at uh, that got let out at like five thirty or six or something, and I was mm-hmm. just really looking forward to going to my studio and just closing the door and being by myself for a minute. Mm-hmm. And a student came up to me, and asked me something about a paper that I graded or something that I'd written on her paper, and I remember her talking to me and looking at her and thinking. I'm exhausted. I just really do not want to deal with this. I just really just want this person to go away. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure how. But I found something in myself. I found like a deeper Mm. place. I found another gear. Mm -hmm. And I I opened myself up to her and I listened and I solved it. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking in that moment, I did not know that I could do that. I mm. honestly, everything in me was saying, just tell her another time, walk away, do something else. But I found it. I found it in myself to do that. Mm-hmm. Thing. And I remember that moment staying, it has stayed with me since it happened um, more than 18 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot because there are a lot of times when I don't do that. There's a lot of times where I do just walk away. And I keep thinking, but fuck it, man. I have the capacity. I can't. Right. Like if I dug, I could find mm. it in myself to do this mm. for this person. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that I don't always. And I'm not saying that I do always. It's just when right. I yeah. don't, I, f- I look at myself and I think, but Seth, you you can do this. Right. Mm. Um, the antidote I'd follow up with that very quickly is from the movie Dolores Claiborne. Mm. Uh, mm. Kathy Bates, Jennifer Jason Lee. Kathy Bates is accused of killing her husband, and she we don't know if she did it or not. Actually, I think what she did was she was defending herself. So he was abusing her, and she finally mm-hmm. 
So she's in jail and there's a, um, a prosecutor in the town who's headed out for her for years. And there's a moment where Jennifer Jason Lee, who is the daughter returned, she's a lawyer. She goes into, and she's talking to her mom or whatever, but then she goes to the prosecutor, I forget the actor's name, but I remember how she said what she said and it was really important for me. She goes, I'm asking you as an honorable man Mm. to drop these charges. Mm. And he goes, you know, he's really angry. He's full of bluster and his face is red and he's angry. And she goes, I tried. So now we're just going to come in here. We're going to take this case apart. And then she takes her mother out of the police station. But it was a moment where I just felt like I'm asking you as an honorable man Mm -hmm. to think, rethink your position here. And there are moments where I've witnessed that, not verbatim in other people and other moments where I felt there were these moments of grace where people were saying, I want to communicate across something here. Mm. Can you look past your anger and your frustration? Can you look past what you believe is happening versus what may have actually happened? Mm. And and so I love that moment. And I love that moment. I have to go watch it again because I'm hoping I'm getting it correctly. But mm-hmm. I just remember the, the way the camera lingered on her face mm-hmm. and how the beat between... You know, how she was saying it, almost exhausted. Mm. I'm asking you mm. as an honorable man. And it just really broke me broke me up. I was like, wow, I just want to communicate like that all the time with people. Mm. <laughs> but of course, you know, hey, capacity. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. To take Stephen's anecdote and and sort of spin it into what Mm-hmm. I what I was not really arguing for, but sort of like advocating for mm-hmm. um, the fact that you could a have a real world uh, encounter like that, which encounters like that do happen. I I I have my own anecdote about it, but I won't I won't use that right mm-hmm. now um, around my tailor honest who told me this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I realize that's a super bougie statement. My tailor told me this story. So, <laughs> but, hey, on but, your own full humanity here. <laughs> exactly, no judgment. You're in a safe place. No judgment, your whole humanity. Safe place. Problem, so. Right? so <laughs> So uh, that so not only that those encounters can happen, but that you would write a piece of entertainment in which one of its central emotional elements, its its moments of impact. Obviously, this was you you, d- you described the extra beat and the camera angle mm-hmm. and the emotional force of that moment. Mm-hmm. That means that we have uh, as as a culture, as a people, as a group. Uh, access and belief and faith in that story that you can appeal to people's principles. Mm-hmm. Right. And that yeah. in that it is possible, mm-hmm. even if rare, mm-hmm. that that appeal will be answered. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Th- that, do- that is a that's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. is that is a that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And and I I would dedicate my life and my work to expanding the frequency and the fidelity of that appeal mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that that that's a good project mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. that that uh, that uh, and 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 I think you know and I think that we have made the I think we've moved the dial on that mm-hmm. in this country in the last 100 years mm-hmm. I think we've moved that dial I think I feel mm-hmm. like a greater variety of lifestyles and faces could have that encounter mm-hmm, and that the person mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't meet that call would feel an element of shame mm-hmm. 
And, and, and I think that that is a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Mm. Not that there's not lots of, you know, miles to go before we sleep and, and whatnot, but, but, no, um, but as in few, as in past podcasts have taught me, it's not, it, it's important to recognize progress. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to say too, to bring it back to, um, again, that question of, of white misanthropy Whiteness. is that right. I think what precisely happens is that principle that I'm writing down principle because I need to say something about that. What happens with white misanthropy is that it weaponizes precisely those aspects of Ooh. us, right? Mm -hmm. That run against the humanity we're talking about. The humanity mm. that is based on giving space or expanding the notion of the self to encompass others and acting yeah. on principle. White, mm. white misanthropy precisely weaponizes the notion of revering thinking over feeling of being of the self being this atomized individualized um discrete object that doesn't care about anybody outside of its purview what, or itself or, right or, or because we're talking about going against its own exactly um, benefits mm -hmm. and i have right. a story about that too but keep going yeah right mm -hmm. but that's mm -hmm. what white misanthropy does right like it makes it it weaponizes these things um, mm -hmm. And kind of puts them together in this night, this very neat, discreet package, uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 which is essentially a fist, right? Mm -hmm. It's a clenched fist. That's what white misanthropy mm -hmm. does. And it clothes. And it. Cl I mean, to 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 add on to it, it clothes itself in the very principles that that we are advocating for exactly. i mean you know that i know we didn't get a chance to get into it but the la review of books article you sent precisely talks about this right i mean sort of the 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 continued historical failure of the human rights movement to mm. address these gaping holes mm. in the areas of the world and mm -hmm. the nation states and cultures that were advocating for human rights mm. and where they utterly failed mm -hmm. to apply the same rhetoric and principles to their own national interests. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that the the, the hypocrisy uh, of that, uh, you probably, there's probably a, a better word than hypocrisy, but it, that is a way that I, I mean, I agree. I do think that is a way that white misanthropy works um, and, and is incredibly fleet of foot and adept at doing it, right? I mean, and it mm -hmm. really, it, it's really good at deploying those tools. Yeah. And we haven't talked much about Christianity, but we're, but I have to mm -hmm. kind of bring that in, you know, mm -hmm. as a sort of apocalyptic sensibility about I won't get mine here, but I'll get it over there mm -hmm. kind of thing. So therefore, mm -hmm. where is the, um, where is the urgency to make this world, this place better? You know exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Because you know. if you've always, if your fucking happiness is always deferred, right? How <laughs> expansive is your sense of 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 self, of being a principled human being going to be? I mean, this is. I mean, yeah. when, I'm glad you said this, Stephen, because I look at people like Jerry Falwell and the whole sort of white evangelical movement, and I think that's it right there, like. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, if I turn up on your doorstep, one of these white evangelicals, if I turned up on their doorstep, destitute, like, you know, lost, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, hungry. hurt, hungry, they would go in the back and get their shotgun and chase me down the damn street. Like, that's <laughs> what they would do. And we know this so, from the anecdotal stories that we, that we read, right? Yeah, the tragic so, ones, yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, a nerdy qualification yes, to that. Please. So, so it, th there's two main 
theological thrusts within Christianity that deal with apocalypticism. One is called mm-hmm. premillennialism, and the other is postmillennialism. Okay. Postmillennialism, and I may have, it's been a while since I've uh, worked in this stuff, but postmillennial, one of these, I think postmillennialism, basically Christ will come after the golden age. Right. These okay. are the kind of Protestants, these are the kind of like uh, the Christians that would get on the Freedom Rider buses, mm-hmm. and they would, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. they believe that by improving the world, they were opening it for Christ's return. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other type that you are criticizing, and I feel rightly, is that the world that uh, that that Christ will come before the world is perfected, and so in its depraved state, mm-hmm, Christ will mm-hmm. come and then redeem it. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. are these are the kind of the, the versions of Christianity that you guys are talking about mm-hmm. right now, which do seem to be ascendant in the culture, mm-hmm. but but have not always that has not always been the case. No, that's that's uh, a fair uh, point uh, to make, and I'm glad that you're mm-hmm. making it. You're right. Because, I like the dis- I definitely like the distinction because yeah. the first group doesn't have a lot of good press. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. No, no, that's, that's right. right. That's and, right. And, yeah. and they were absolutely integral to the civil rights movement. Absolutely. absolutely. Almost every movement, actually. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Human rights movement. That's right. Anti-war movement, absolutely. Um, Workers' Mm -hmm. rights, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. All right, so So, um, I like where we've got to today. I mean, what what I have to say that just this kind of closing thought on my end, um, not that this has has to be the closing thought for our conversation, but what 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 struck me is that given that there has been this sort of failure Across the board of the um, ca- of capturing the promise of the UN um, universal Universal Declaration of Human Rights is that mm-hmm. white mis- white misanthropy isn't just white like there are all kinds of misanthropy around oh, yeah. the world right yeah like it's just yeah. that the one that we mm. Travis Stephen I deal with daily happens to have the white. Before it, but mm-hmm. it's all kinds of misanthropy, right? Mm-hmm. It's just oh, yeah. it's just a major one that we have to kind of make our way through. Hacking Navigate, and, and think yes, about it. yes, yeah. every day is is mm-hmm. is white in this country. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to I'd like to actually give Stephen the last word, but to yeah. add on to what you say, actually, I I do think that. And the jury is out very much, I think, mm. uh, you know, as far as where the United States is going to end up in the historical record. Mm. But I do think that the uh, the real work of our generation and succeeding generations until, you know, uh, that the story of the United States is done mm. is is whether the nation can write a, a story about itself that is not predicated on the degradation of the black body, mm. uh, which is which is which is what its founding was all about. about which is what the mythology mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. United States was built on. Right. But it, um, mm-hmm. and what and, and and is it possible? Right. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of like saying, uh, can Christianity? continue once you realize that, you know, Paul was in an apostate, not Christ, right? Because mm-hmm. the all men are created equal. You still want to keep that as the gold standard, but that the primary missionary of of that message was just, it was an utter, was an apostate and a liar. And so mm-hmm. can the United States reconfigure itself knowing that its its primary evangelists were were liars and, mm. and, and were not. So, mm. so I'm sorry, but but, but Stephen, please. Mm. No, thank you for that, Travis, because you brought me to original point that I was thinking about earlier, and it was the idea about the big lie. Like, what are we going to do about the big lie? 
Mm. And we've been chipping mm-hmm, at it, mm-hmm, as Sun said, mm-hmm. for a while. We've been chipping at it, chipping mm-hmm, at it, chipping mm-hmm, at it. Mm-hmm, and again, mm-hmm. it's not only white misanthropy. We're also talking about other misanthropies as well. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, one final point I would like to make, it's not even a point, it's just a question. And it's a question for our listeners and for anyone else who might be um, either come across this podcast or hear it from someone who's listened to it. And it's like, do you need to see yourself in the pain of others for it to matter? Good question. Yeah, great question. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll just close with Stephen's question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, gentlemen, thanks as always for the conversation. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Bye bye.